Welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. So when I was in college, I was in the film program. I focused on screenwriting, but spent a lot of time on student film sets, often in the art department or as a grip, which was always fun, outdoors at three in the morning in the freezing weather, because apparently that's the only time you can make a film is at night when it's cold. (laughs) I had the chance to help on locations and as an assistant director as well. On one shoot, I think I was helping with locations on this shoot, but I'm not entirely sure. But we were filming in a park and it was frigid. So cold that you didn't want to take your gloves off to do anything, not even to check your phone. But we had to check our phones to keep track of time and messages and other things. And coming up against this dilemma of hand versus phone, I observed our director do something that changed the way I use my phone in the cold forever. He used his nose. (laughs) I was especially impressed at how adept he could be and precise with his nose movements, so I tried it out myself and it totally worked. Now, if you ever see someone way too close to their phone in the cold using their nose to Google something, that person would be me, or a director, or perhaps other people who know the secret arts of the nose. (laughs) Of course, this solution is made possible and necessary by touchscreens pros and cons there. If we still had buttons, gloved fingers would work. But since we have the beauty of technology, just make sure you stretch your nose before leaving for the cold. So today, in honor of a fun moment on a film set and many moments afterward, and in gratitude for all the things that we can do with technology these days, let's take a little bit of time for a little bit of gratitude for touchscreens. So touchscreens have actually been around a lot longer than at least I at first thought. In fact, the first touchscreen on record dates back to 1962. But before we got there, let's talk about a precursor to the touchscreen, the stylus, patented by Philco Company in 1946. Essentially, it was a stylus used to amplify the original design. It was used to make temporary drawings and was used for sports telecasting. Later in 1962, AT&T patented an electrographic transmitter, which was the first to work independent of the light from the screen. Rather, the light was interrupted by the stylus. This design used a matrix of collimated lights. When it comes to the touchscreen, that used like only a finger, this thought was first articulated by Eric, or E.A., Johnson, from Malvern, England, and belonging to the Royal Radar Establishment there. He described this idea in an article in 1965, and later further articulated his work on this design in 1967. In 1968, another article described how this technology or invention of, like, a touchscreen could be used for air traffic control. In the 1970s, engineers for CERN, C-E-R-N, the European Organization for Nuclear Research, made a transparent touchscreen. The name of these engineers were Bent Stumpe and Frank Beck. The screen was in use by 1973 and had been based on Stumpe's work and knowledge from working at a television factory beforehand. The first touchscreens were installed in 1973 and were still in use up until 2008. There are a number of other precursors for the touchscreen. One in Germany again for air traffic control in the 1970s. Then across the pond at the University of Illinois, a group patented an optical touchscreen in 1972. In 1977, Elographics started working on a touchscreen as well, and in 1985, Sega released the Sega Graphic Board, which was for the video game console as well as the home computer. It came with a board and plastic pencil and was used mostly along with a drawing software. 
The first touchscreen on display at the World's Fair happened in 1982 in Knoxville. This type of touchscreen was a resistive touchscreen. It was developed by Elographic's own George Samuel Hurst. Elographic was working with Siemens at the time. In 1983, HP 150 was one of the first computers to use a touchscreen. In the 1980s, touch-sensitive control display units for aircrafts and their flight decks were of particular interest. By integrating touch-sensitive displays, the idea was to increase both the efficiency for the crew as well as their situational awareness. In 1982, the University of Toronto's Input Research Group created the first multi-touch system based on human input, and a few years later, the group, along with Bill Buxton, developed a multi-touch tablet in 1985. General Motors put electronic control center touchscreens in cars as early as 1985 in their Buick, but the screen was unpopular with consumers and was also a very high price point, so that created a barrier for it. All in all, the early touchscreen experience was a pretty imprecise one, a bit messy up until about 1988. They worked more around target areas on the screen rather than precise touch points from an actual finger. So hover over the target area and you had accidentally selected it. And you can imagine when it was used for more technical things, like say that air traffic stuff, this was a concern. So around this time, the University of Maryland Human Computer Interaction Lab came up with a possible solution, a technique called liftoff strategy. Basically, the selection was made once the finger was lifted off of the screen. In 1990, that same lab, we'll call it by the acronym HCIL, demonstrated a touchscreen slider. They had spent time prior to this researching possible movements on a touchscreen, like a slider, knobs, and so on. They also learned that people could type an average of 25 words a minute on a touchscreen at that time. We might be a little faster now. Later, we got the ability to scroll, and in 1993, IBM's IBM Simon was released as the first touchscreen phone. In May of 2007, we got the first mobile phone with a capacitive touchscreen. This was the LG Prada. By the fourth quarter of 2009, more touchscreen phones than non-touchscreen phones were being shipped. With 2004's Nintendo DS release, touchscreen started to pick up in popularity in the gaming world for gaming consoles. This was also due in part to touchscreens becoming relatively more affordable, especially compared to earlier years. In 2007, Steve Jobs' introduction of the iPod, iPhone, and so on made touchscreens even more important and powerful in the world of technology. It took a while to get screens that could have multiple touchpoints, however. The Apple Watch, the one from 2015, was released with a force-sensitive display that made this easier. Now, these days, about 90% of touchscreens are capacitive. Touchscreens use a touch sensor, software, and a controller. The touchscreen works with a responsive screen that has electrical currents passing through it. When a person touches the screen, they disrupt the current, which shows where they've touched. The controller converts the disrupted current into signals that the device you're using can receive. The software interprets the signals sent via the controller, communicating what is being touched and where on the screen so that the device can respond. These days, touchscreens are integral to many parts of our lives. Now, here's a fun fact just to bring us back to that first story at the beginning that I told about using my nose on my touchscreen in the cold. Turns out that pretty much most things that you can eat you can use as a stylus for your touchscreen. Most foods conduct electricity, which is what you need for a touchscreen. So next time you're out in the cold and don't want to use your nose, which honestly might be runny because of the whole it's freezing out here thing, you could try using a banana instead. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day. Take care.